Welcome to the Break Your Bullshit Box podcast, where excuses aren't tolerated and results are earned through authenticity, vulnerability, and a commitment to excellence. My name is Amber Furman, success architect, attorney, and NLP trainer. If you're ready to bitch slap the bully in your brain, overcome the bullshit that holds you back, and design the life and success you've always wanted, then it's time for you to break your bullshit box and step into designing life and success on your terms. Welcome back to another episode of the Break Your Bullshit Box podcast. I am so excited for this episode. I know I say that every single time, and I mean it. Zara Mahoon's mission is to guide others to stop making the mistakes that are preventing them from their success and ultimate joy by teaching them the power of the law of attraction based on her signature heart and mind alignment method. She is the author of 16, yes, one six. 16 books on this subject and the creator of the ultimate 40 day law of attraction workbook and support group. After committing to completely transforming her self-worth in 2006, she went from being massively in debt to owning multiple properties and creating a thriving business as well as healing her relationships. She shares her personal journey to help people understand the power of reclaiming their self-worth. Zara's courses and programs help individuals to identify the blockages that are keeping them from loving themselves and regaining their self-worth so that they can achieve success and start living on their own terms. We had so much fun on this episode. We talked about the scientific side of the law of attraction, the places where popular culture has gotten the law of attraction wrong, how we can bring the law of attraction into corporate culture to create a more welcoming environment and a more productive environment for both the employees and the employers that are wanting to increase their sales. It truly was an incredibly amazing conversation that I'm so excited to share with you. Before we jump into that conversation, the Break Your Bullshit Box Academy is almost ready. I have been working on this for so long, and I am so excited to be ready to share it with you guys. If you want to know more information about how over a nine-week period, you can learn the success mindset principles that are necessary to unlock the freedom and success in your personal life and business without feeling overwhelmed by business ownership. If you're ready to say goodbye to feeling overwhelmed by the demands of business ownership and embrace a future of limitless potential where you call the shots, then the Break Your Bullshit Box Academy is for you. Head over to successdevelopmentsolutions.com, pick a spot on my calendar, and let's have a conversation about whether or not this this course is a good fit for you. If you don't feel like you have everything you want in your life and business, then that is a problem. Let's fix that. Let's create a different future for you. I'm so excited for that. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump in to this interview with Zara Mahoon. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show with me. I'm so excited to have you here today. I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Amber. You are so welcome. So we were talking before we started 
recording about um, where we're from and you were telling me that you were based up in Toronto, which is part of Canada that I've never had an opportunity to visit yet. So hopefully um, I'll make it up soon. soon. Yes. One day soon for sure. Um, Before we really dig into all of the amazingness that I know is going to unfold from this podcast, I'd love to let everybody get to know you a little bit. So you um, are in Toronto. How did your um, love and fascination with the law of attraction come to be? It's not something that we often think about when we're younger and everybody's asking us what we want to be when we grow up. It's never, you know, <laughs> a business coach and law of attraction. So how did you, how did we end up here? Oh, well, I ended up here through a lot of mishaps in life. Ain't that the truth? Oh my goodness. I, it seemed like my life was such a big mess that I couldn't see how I would clean it up. And Mm. I didn't have money. So I couldn't fix it with money. You know, like, think about it in our day and age, we try and fix so many things with money. You know, like we, we find a solution that we can purchase, bring it home, fix things. And I couldn't do that. So I was looking for a solution that would help me fix things in my life that didn't require money. And law of attraction was one solution where it was like, okay, all I have to do is think differently. Yeah, sign me up. I'll do that. So I love that um, you actually started off with that because I want to really dig into that statement. All I have to do is think differently because I 100% agree with it and I 100% disagree with it at the same time. And it's because um, I know that our life changes when we think differently. And I know that we act differently when we think differently. I also know that there's a lot of people out there that want the solution that doesn't require the action. And I feel like that's where the law of attraction kind of gets misunderstood. So Mm -hmm. can we start by talking about where law of attraction impacts the action step and kind of how they go together? Oh my goodness. I am so passionate about this subject because almost everyone gets it wrong. And you're right. And, and it happened because of the secret movie, because the secret movie showed us people just sitting on their bums and things falling in their laps. It doesn't work like that. Law of attraction is a pointer. It's the GPS that tells you where to go, how to get there. You still have to do the walking to go there. I you love still that. have to drive the car to go there. And that's the missing piece that people don't understand. So it will tell you your, your gut feel is where you get your answers. We generally, people have always known that we have a gut feel, but that's where your intuition is coming. That's where your guidance is, is coming from. You feel it or you hear it. Some people see visions. That's your guidance telling you what you should do next. So do it. And then the next step will be revealed to you. And then the next step will be revealed to you. And then the next step. So a lot of times people say, this is what I want and show me how I can jump there. And I say, Mm. no, sweetheart, that's not how it works. So for example, if a child comes to me and says, I want to be a doctor, then I'm going to say, okay, start preparing 
yourself for uh, for med school which means uh, excel at your courses find out what you know percentage you need in order to be considered which schools do you want to go to and then figure out how you're going to get there like it's 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 uh it's not ambiguous it's one step at a time that's um i love the way that you described that because it's so important so um Let's back up a little bit before we dive deep into this conversation. For anybody who doesn't really understand what the law of attraction is, let's start with that conversation. What is it on a basic level? Hmm. <clears throat> well, it's simple and it's complex. Uh, I'll start preface it with that. And what makes it complex is that we already have journeys that we've lived in life. But if you were a newborn baby just arriving on planet Earth, all things would be possible because anything you can think or imagine can come about. However, in our life, we absorb do's and don'ts right from the get-go. Soon as you are in the cradle, you are told what you can do, what you cannot do, where you can go, where you can't go, what you can put in your mouth, what you should spit out. Everything is either a do or a don't. And those do's and don'ts create limitations. Because, if, for example, think about it. A don't for a child is playing with matches. But that changes when you're older. So you've got to allow yourself the change. What happens is people get stuck with the beliefs. A big one that I am always training people on because I do a lot of sales training. Um, I train a lot of entrepreneurs and business people, and I train a lot of people who are in the sales profession. They don't like sales. They are in the sales profession, but they don't like sales, and they don't like to ask for the business, and they don't like asking for referrals. And one of the biggest reasons for that is that when they were three and four and five and six and seven years old, they were told not to talk to strangers. Mm. Don't take candy from strangers. Don't talk to strangers. Don't smile at strangers. Don't get friendly with strangers. And now your income depends on it. That's so interesting. That's um, a huge connection. You know, I talk to my clients all the time about the fact that your relationship with all things when you're young is directly tied to your success in all things in your life now. And we talk often about where the aversion to sales comes into play. And we've gone down so many different rabbit holes with different clients because every client has a different um, program yes, that runs right. in their head. Yeah. However, that don't talk to strangers is one that I've never put together before. And you're right. That is absolutely what... Mm -hmm. We are told is right. don't talk to strangers. That's the biggest one. Don't ask questions you don't know the answer Exa to. Exactly. That's the um, biggest one. Yeah. That's that's amazing to put that together. So we're told as, so talk a little bit for anybody who's listening going, I'm not quite understanding. Um where does that connection come into play where don't talk to strangers as a kid turns into, I don't want to make a sales call? Well, um, so don't talk to strangers me in, in really means that if you talk to people that you don't know and trust, that you're exposing yourself to some kind of harm. And yeah. so uh, now in sales, 
you've got to talk to strangers in order to find out whether or not there's a fit for you to make a sale. But that inhibition doesn't go away. Now, we can go down the rabbit hole because that's probably not the only thing. Mm -hmm. Right? So then uh, the, the next thing is we become very conscious of how people see us. Now, I don't know about your parents, but my parents, my mother specifically, we had to be the best behaved kids in the world. You know, don't speak unless you're spoken to. Don't take more than one cookie. You know, sit like this, stand like this, say hello like this. We had a whole script like in the car going somewhere. My mother used to train us through that trip how we would behave on our arrival there. Interesting. So, so now I'm very conscious of how people are seeing me. In sales, you've got to not be conscious of how people are seeing you. You've got to connect with them. But if you're afraid of how they are perceiving you, that vibration of fear shows up as lack of confidence. Yeah. What are they going to think about me? Am I saying the right thing? What if I lose? And, and the, the next one is attachment to the outcome, which is a law of attraction concept that the more you are attached to something, the further you're pushing it away with your vibration. I better not lose this sale because my life depends on it. Mm -hmm. My job depends on it. My mortgage payment depends on it. Again, creates a vibration of fear. Then the other person interprets that vibration of fear as lack of confidence in what you're offering. And the other person then, the client, the prospective client starts thinking, hmm, there's more to this. This person is not sharing everything with me. Yeah. Because, because they can't trust you because you're not coming from a place of confidence. You're coming from a place of fear. Confidence, you see, is a very powerful, positive emotion. Fear is the opposite of confidence. So, the simple question in sales is, what do you need to do in order to be confident? And sometimes it's like, I don't have product knowledge. Sometimes it's like, I don't have the verbiage. Sometimes it's like, I don't know if I'm dressed properly. I don't know what my image is, right? Well, whatever the answer is for you, then you go and fix it. You take action and you say, nah, I know what I need to do to close the gap. So I'm going to go and close the gap. I'm going to get the tools. I'm going to get the mentors. I'm going to get the book or the course or the whatever I need so that I can go from fear to confidence. That's a good salesperson is one who is confident, confident about themselves, confident about the product. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think is, um, and I'm let me give you a, a little background for this question because I know that this is not a unique situation for you. I come from the legal profession before mm -hmm. I entered in the coaching world and became NLP trained and understood all of these things. Um, I was an attorney and I remember when I found NLP, I found it because I needed and wanted to increase my sales revenue. It's always the right. sales. It was always right. the money. Right. Yeah. If somebody yeah. had come to me and said, 
Um, let me show you how to attract all these success that you want in your life. I would have called them a witch doctor and sent them on their way. So for the majority of the people out there that are in CEO places and um, professional service, grad school that um, are that logical, bullheaded, bulldoze my way through life driven. How do you explain the law of attraction in a way to them that is not repelling and sounds like voodoo? Um, that's a very good question. So, uh, and it pertains to me because I'm a very logical person. I'm a, I'm an analyst. So I'm, I, I'm a microbiologist uh, by training. And then I'm, I became an analyst, a stock analyst. So, uh, I am very analytical. And so when I found law of attraction, I was not willing to accept the woo woo. Yeah. You and me both. And so I went to science, by the way, I also have, um, I, I'm NLP certified. <laughs> I, I and I, I have to say, I love, That's love, so love, 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 love NLP. Um, but I will tell you that I had to find scientific answers. And I found those answers in physics. Quantum physics takes mm -hmm. it to a whole other level, but I found the answers in physics. And the reason is because law of attraction is all about energy. And the science that governs energy is the science of physics. So if law of uh, attraction is about energy, then physics should be able to explain it to me. I should be able to make sense of it through physics. Now, I have to tell you that physics was my least favorite subject at school. <laughs> I remember my first year of college, I sat in my first ever physics class and I sat right at the back. I couldn't understand a single thing they were talking about and I ran out of the class crying. <laughs> was that in Canada as well? Or where did you go to school? No, that was in Pakistan. Okay. Um, but, but the thing about physics is that it is the science of how the world works. So even if we don't understand the formulas, we understand the concepts. For example, when I open my door and step out, uh, I don't expect to fall or fly mm. i expect that gravity is going to hold me down and i intuitively understand when to pump my brakes as i approach a stop sign or a red light that is all physics yeah the calculation of distance and speed all of that is physics and it's relative to energy it's the energy with what energy are you speeding towards the stop sign determines when you pump the brakes and how you stop. So all of that is the science of physics. And so I said to myself, okay, if our thoughts are energy, our vibration is energy, then the answer lies in physics. If physics can explain law of attraction to me, sign me up. And so I I, I took all, everything that I had ever learned in my physics class suddenly became alive and palpable and, and made, suddenly physics started to make sense. So let me give you a simple example, which is in the book Thrive. The book Thrive is my simplified scientific explanation of how law of attraction works. Okay. And, and so uh, in that book, uh, there is an analogy and that analogy comes from my own life. When I was a kid, 
my father, uh, my parents were not very well to do, but they were good savers. So they did a good job in the end. However, our car was, we were always stranded by the wayside, always, because it would just stop. And then I, my brother and I would get off the car and push it to the side of the road. And then our father, he was an engineer. And so he knew how to tinker with cars. And then he would get out and he would try and fix it and yada, yada, yada. But there were times when he would say to us, push the car and then it will start. And we used to push the car and then it would start. Okay. And oftentimes it would keep running for a little while. It would... Even if it didn't start, but we let go pushing, it would keep going for a little while. And I thought about it and I said, you know, what's going on here is my brother and I, we impart our energy to the car by pushing it. Mm. And then even though we let go, the car keeps going because it has our energy. So if you, if you transpose that analogy to how we think our thoughts, the subject that I think about, I am imparting energy to it and therefore pushing it into my future. So if I think about if the subject that I'm focused on is the absence of money, then I'm pushing absence of money into my future. And if the subject is the having of money, then I'm pushing the having of money into my future. It's really as simple as that that's law of attraction in a nutshell so when I'll, it's interesting that we're talking about this in a way of physics because um physics was the only science class that i actually liked oh and my god you doesn't I mean <laughs> that it was my favorite class by any way shape or form um i took <laughs> physics to avoid chemistry <laughs> So, um, and I remember going to, um, I grew up in a really small town and I was always the nerd. I was the music nerd. I was the computer programming nerd. And it's really interesting because people would always ask me, how do music and computer programming go together? And I'm like, when I play music, when I listen to music, I hear music. It's a when problem. I play yeah. music, I see a formula. Yeah. Um, exactly. it's it is numbers to me. Yeah. Yeah. And so to me, they're the same, like yeah. all, all music is just num numbers it, and formulas formula. and it's all of that. That's so right. it's logic to me. I get it. Um, so I went to, I spent a summer at, um, space camp, um, for physics. We built, um, you know, bottle rockets and, and all of the cool stuff, um, and I never realized that there would be a point in time that I would be connecting the summer that I avoided chemistry and my career helping salespeople sell more mm. of their product, right? Um, because I've always been so logical. And I love that you mentioned that when you answered the previous question. And it's when you said it, I thought, you know what? She's right. When I talk to people about, when I talk to people that are really energetically connected and touchy feely and mm -hmm. they want to meditate for 97 hours a day and mm -hmm. talk to trees. They call it meditation and manifestation. Mm -hmm. When I talk to people who call it law of attraction, it's always the analytical people, mm -hmm. always the analytical people. Mm -hmm. And then you connected the, the physics side to law of attraction, which is so cool. Um, there is an incredible movie 
and it's called I Am. Are you familiar with it? No. Now, now um, I am, so I'll go and watch it. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, it was a documentary done in, I want to say, 2016-ish, maybe? Okay. And it was by um, the director of a lot of, um, like, Ace Ventura and um, your The Mask and the comedy um, films that, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Um, the actor. Um, anyways, he was a big movie director. And he reached the height. Jim Carrey. That's who Jim Carrey. Mm. He reached. Um, Jim Carrey. Yes. He reached. So the director of a lot of Jim Carrey's movies, he reached this professional height and realized that he was unhappy like so many of us do. Mm -hmm. But before he could make that connection, he actually got physically sick. Mm -hmm. And it was thinking that he was on his deathbed that led him down this road of, if I only have a year left to live, then I'm going to leave all of this stuff behind and I'm going to go figure out what the world has to offer. And as he started to go down that road, he started to connect the dots between our obsession with materialistic mm -hmm. things and professional success mm -hmm. and the mass amount of mental health crisis mm -hmm. that goes on in this country. Um, and so it's a fantastic movie, but I bring it up because there's a point in that movie where he goes to the heart math Institute and they connect him to a, um, what is probably like an EKG machine okay. for his head. And they take, um, one of the machines that measures electricity voltage. Yes. They put that in yogurt. So mm. he's connected to an EKG. Mm -hmm. The yogurt is connected to the energy field finder. Mm -hmm. And when they ask him to think thoughts, the yogurt responds energetically. Yeah. And when I first saw this, it was the first real belief that I had that everything in the world is energetically connected. Yeah. yeah. Once we understand and believe That's that right. everything in the world is energetically connected, yes. then all of the sudden, this law of attraction stuff becomes a real conversation, That's not right. a hypothetical one. Mm, exactly. It's And you know what, Amber? Anytime you look at the history of humans, anytime a major shift in um, humanity has happened, it's happened because... Uh, we accepted something based on science. Mm. So, for example, um, there was a time when people were thought to be witches because they are possessed because they had they were running a very high fever, and yeah. it wasn't until scientifically it was proven that they were infected with microorganisms that that practice ceased to be. So, science people tend to believe science. They do not tend to, they are, there's a group of people who believe in their intuition regardless. You don't have to give them the science. But then there's another group of people who need the science in order to start believing. Yeah. So, you know, like I always say this, that's the difference between me and my brother. My brother, he doesn't want to know how things work. Me, I want to pull them apart and put them back together. Yeah, absolutely. And then you have the people who want the science, but they don't want to tell you they want the science. Um, I just had somebody come through my training who is an amazing human being and had great transformation, 
But every time we would start talking about science, he's like, I don't want all the scientific information. I just want to know how it works. Yeah. And I'm like, how, um, how would you like me to tell you how it works without telling you the science? Right. Um, but that leads us down another conversational rabbit hole that ties to sales and the law of attraction, which is the way that people communicate. Mm -hmm. One of, um, the most, I think, harmful and frustrating phrases that we get fed as kids is treat people the way that you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to treat people the way that I want to be treated. I want to treat them the way that they want to be treated. Mm -hmm. And it assumes, that statement assumes that everybody wants to be treated like I do. Mm -hmm. And when we are able to separate the way that we want to be treated versus the way that everybody else wants to be treated, we become better leaders, communicators, and salespeople. How do we work that into where you're coming from, from the law of attraction? Wow. Uh, We need a whole other session. (laughs) (laughs) And a much longer one. Yes. Um, Okay. So in law of attraction, understanding how human interaction takes place is you really have to shift your understanding from language to vibration. Because a lot of people, so a lot of people focus on the language, but it's not about the language, it's about the vibration. Because you can say, I love you and not mean it. Mm -hmm. But your vibration cannot lie. And I'm reading your vibration, so I don't believe you. Mm -hmm. And so the thing is, people, that's where, you know, the one thing that we teach salespeople, and I know you will agree with this because you train salespeople, is be sincere. Your sincerity sells anything you want to sell. If you are sincere, right? So then what is that sincerity? That sincerity is your vibe matches your words. Yeah. So this is where it's not so much about, and all of communication theory and all of that focuses on the language you should use and the actions you should take. But 70% of communication is body language and mm-hmm. and uh, micro expressions. And all of that is your vibe and that is transmitted before you open your mouth or take any action. Yeah, I love to relate this um, because it's always fun. And I know that you'll um, appreciate this as well as somebody who trains and teaches to leaders to watch their eyes get really big when they realize that only 7% of communication is the words that they say. Exactly. And 93% of communication is everything else that goes on exactly. around us. Um, and I love it when um, I meet dog people. I'm a huge, yes. I, well, you can see my puppy behind yeah, me. Mine's so, right here. Um, huge dog person. And um, I always relate it to my dog. Like yeah. I trust my dog. If she likes yeah. you, we're good. If she That's doesn't right. like you, we get to find out why. Well, my dog doesn't understand the words that you're saying. Yes. But she my dog understands the, the energy That's coming right. off of you. And you know, That's on it. that same note, when my daughter was three years old, like I intuitive. So my first, my first NLP course that I did was when my daughter was five years old. 
Okay. So I was already I was already on the journey way back and my daughter's 32 now. So just saying. Uh, when she was little and I needed to hire a nanny, I said, I'm not going to make the decision because I'm making the decision logically and it's not for me. So I'm going to introduce the three people I've shortlisted to her and I'm going to tell her to pick one. Mm -hmm. And she did not ask them any questions. She just looked at them. They looked at her and she picked one. Yeah. And that woman then stayed with me till my daughter was 10 years old. It's such a novel way. It's such a novel way to do things. Yeah. Um, so something's popping in my head right now, which is um, related to the way that we think about situations differently when we start to take energy into effect. Mm -hmm. And um, I just hired a new um, intern for my law firm so that I could get some, I'm, I'm closing my law firm and need to scale down without the overhead of having staff. So I hired an intern from the school to help me with that. And in the interview, I remember asking her, what does a successful internship look like to you? And she says, well, I mean, whatever you need it to be. Uh, well, I want to know that what I'm creating is a win-win. Yes. It's not until this conversation that I'm realizing that that win-win goes far beyond the words of what does it mean to you exactly. and the work, but the energy of the space, That's right. the energy of the environment. Exactly. Um, how can we, in a world where COVID was the pattern interrupt that so mm -hmm. many people oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time. to step back from the rat race that they yeah. had been living. Yeah. And now they're faced with going back into the workforce Yes, in companies and organizations that haven't necessarily shifted. How mm -hmm. do we start to change the landscape of mm -hmm. um, corporate culture to start to bring in the energetic necessity to create a win-win for employees? Um, that's such a brilliant question. I absolutely love the question. And yet again, it's the topic of a whole other episode. But I think uh, to simplify it, Amber, I think it's about being human. Be mm -hmm. human. You know, like, so I'm very passionate about talking about this subject with leaders in organizations. And the subject is, we expect soon as you cross the corporate threshold and enter, you are no longer human, you are now professional. Mm. And we expect people to leave some of the pieces of their humanity outside the door. But people cannot leave pieces of themselves outside the door. Mm -hmm. They bring their whole persona into the building. So treat them like humans don't stop. We have to stop treating people like this professional image that everyone has to fit into and treat them like humans. And I was explaining this to a corporate leader. I was telling her, um, and she, she was concerned about how employees, sometimes some employees give a lot and other employees skim off the top, you know, like don't give 100%. And I was telling her, well, there's a reason for it. 
And unless you figure out what the reason is, and it's not going to be the same reason for everyone because they're humans. Mm-hmm. Right? So you literally have to be an investigator. As a leader, you are an investigator. You need to understand each person individually because somebody might be supporting a spouse that is going through chemo. And just now, this is the season in their life when they cannot be 100% at work. And you've got to be okay with it because they're human. And not expect them to be professional and still give 120%. So that corporate environment is also family and they pay lip service to it, but they don't behave like a family because if they were my family and I was going through chemo, they would step up to the plate and they would bring me meals and they would drive me places and they would support me in so many ways. And then I would do the same when it was their turn. But somehow in this whole talk about being professional, we stop being human. Hmm. I love that so much. The being human in corporate culture. And I'm thinking back to all of the places that I've worked before I was a business owner and all of the people that have worked for me. And it really is the perfect description. It's almost like when you walk in the doors of wherever you're employed at, that you leave pieces of you outside of that. Exactly. And you show up as this part of you. Exactly. The parts of you that you're, and, and this is what's so crazy to me, is that the parts of you that you're leaving behind are parts of you that could allow you to really improve the role in which you're working. Like if you had exactly. the freedom to bring in your creativity, to bring in the softness and kindness that makes you who you are outside of the workplace, but we immediately put up this shield. That's right. That I have this we job to do. different people, you know? Um, and as a business owner, I know that whether I created that expectation or not, I've allowed people to do it that have worked for me. Um, I think making that shift to where people are 100% allowed to bring all of them into a workplace um, requires some real intentionality and, it and does. shifts. It does. It um, does. And it's way easier to do with uh, in smaller places with the entrepreneur, business owner on site than it is in corporate environments. 100%. Because, because, you know, like if you can train that entrepreneur, the business owner, they, the culture, culture flows downwards. Culture does not flow upwards. Culture flows downwards. Absolutely. So in a corporate environment, it's more difficult because the culture of every unit of that corporation depends on the leadership of that unit. So first it has to flow from the chief executive, the board of directors down to that executive level. And then from that executive level further down. And so, um, so they all have to buy into it. That change has to start from the top and trickle down. A lot of times organization hire people, uh, trainers like myself and other trainers, and they want to do the work at the bottom. And the, there's a disconnect between, I feel, 
there's a disconnect between the work that is happening at the in the trenches and the work that's happening here so the training is not uniform the training that the top executives are receiving is not the same there's no flow through of that down here down here the training is different but mm. they are also people they are human so i find that it's not there has to be continuity and there's no continuity leadership training stops at the leadership level but some of that has to trickle down but the training yeah. is different yeah i i think that that's an important um distinction especially in so the reason i smiled was because i keep thinking about all of the men who have come to my trainings or my introductory trainings because they want to increase their sales and then they realize how much in order for us to increase your sales we have to deal with whatever is preventing you from making sales which is never a script it's never a exactly. process exactly. it is something up here that's tied yes. to the things that you don't that's want to true. talk about yes. and then when they realize that all of a sudden it shifts i have three people that are in my head right now that um i asked them if they were going to come to our full training they're like you know i think it'd be really good for my wife i'm like awesome <laughs> and you i just i think it would be really good for my wife and i think and it's the same in this corporate environment right it's always my employees need it yes. but yes. i don't yes it would be really good for them yes so so take them um so on that note and i know you're going to tell me this is going to require another segment because it really is a, <laughs> I, because i feel like you and i could talk forever yes, first exactly. of all yes. um you mentioned that it's easier to shift the corporate corporate culture to include the human dynamic when it's a smaller yes place with the um business owner on site which i agree with and also there's also that smaller petri dish of bullshit that yeah. drama feeds in yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the bigger that something gets the more offices it has the more spinning plates that it has the more important it is for structure and procedures and less of the personalization that can come from a smaller mm -hmm. office how do we scale and maintain the human side of a business at the same time it again it's about the same material being communicated across the board and it's about those people actually having buy in so if if there are a lot of people in an organization which there are in you know large banks large multinationals there are so many people so many different business units the buy in has to come from all of them mm. and here's how the buy in comes it's not spoken it's behavioral it's in your you got to walk the talk so my if let's say i'm someone who works in a satellite office at a small cubicle then being human translates into whoever is my supervisor actually taking the time to get to know me 
treat me like a human being how is my dog today mm. my dog was sick yesterday i'm sorry to hear that <laughs> it's like <laughs> so so the thing is being you have to show it not just talk about it mm-hmm. and it's the show me that's not there we talk about it so mental health is such a big issue across the board any organization i go into they talk about mental health but then how dare you leave half an hour early and you didn't show up for that and you're all you know like so where is the mental health piece in the show me yeah 100% um i think it also requires and this is not always an easy thing to do. Well, it's never an easy thing to do. I think it requires us to say no to the good so that we can have the great that fits our environment. Um, and, and I'm thinking specifically about, um, I don't know if you guys have um, Dutch Brothers coffee shops up where you're at. No, not where I am. No. I'm in a small um, town outside of Toronto. I'm not in okay. the um, I don't drink coffee. And I go to Dutch Brothers Coffee Shop like three times a week. And I'll get iced tea, but I go because I believe in their culture so much. And it gives me this boost of positivity. And I remember when I was very first introduced to them, um, I had wondered how is it that every single Dutch Brothers that I ever go to, I get that same dose of positivity every time I go. And then I was watching an episode of Undercover Boss. And ironically, I had just reached out to the founders of Dutch Brother to ask them to be on my podcast. And I hadn't gotten a response back yet. And when I watched this episode of Undercover Boss, I learned that before you can even apply to own a Dutch Brothers franchise, you must work for the company for three years. And during that three-year the period, yeah. they feed yeah. and they 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 feed the positivity yeah. and they filter out anybody that doesn't fit yes, the corporate exactly. culture. Now, they could have somebody that could come to them and say, I want to give you $50,000 right now and start a Dutch Brothers in my town. And I don't know if that's how much it costs. Who knows? And I would have loved to be a fly on the wall the first time that that was made. and this small family owned business had to say no to that in order to maintain the corporate culture of the scale that they wanted to create. And that's, that's it. That's you hit it on the spot. The, that's how you, so it's the show me, don't just tell me, don't tell me I should be nice and I should be human and I should uh, encourage positive positivity and mental health and all of that. Show me, show it to me. And that show me comes from the top. You see, people will mimic. People at the ground floor will mimic their next level up. And their next level up is mimicking their next level up. And they're mimicking their next level. And that's why I say culture flows from the top down. Yeah. All mimicking their bosses. If they don't see the boss practicing it, it's not important. I'm not going to do it. My boss doesn't do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. My boss doesn't know how many children Thelma has. I don't need to know how many children Thelma has. Yeah. Right. So that takes the human part 
away from it because you don't know who this person is. They're just a wheel in the clog. They're part of the machinery. They're a number. They're an employee number. You know, they, they're this job that gets done. They're this cubicle. They're, but they're not human. Yeah. And yep. I think COVID really brought, brought that around to us because the isolation made us realize that we are human. Yeah, I think I think you're 100% right. I um I'm very sympathetic and sensitive to the realities of what the pandemic did for people financially yeah. and mental health wise. At the same time, we as a culture needed to be forced to leaps slow down. and bounds. The growth that happened, the the growth of emotional awareness that happened during the pandemic, leaps and bounds. Yeah, absolutely. But people have short memories. They're already Yes, <laughs> and they're already on their way back up, right? <laughs> All right. Um, that, at least that's my observation there. They're going yes. back to the same. <laughs> um, it has been so amazing, <clears throat> excuse me, to start to go down some of these rabbit holes with you. And I have no doubt that you and I could produce hours of conversation and content and probably will at some point in time. If people wanted to continue this conversation with you, what is the best way for them to enter your ecosystem and get more of everything that Zara has to offer? Oh, boy. Uh, well, um, I am very accessible. If anyone sends me a message, I always respond personally. It's not a bot or a VA at the other end responding. <laughs> it is me responding. And so uh, LinkedIn, Facebook are my two favorite platforms. I'm not really an IG person. I am on IG, but I rarely go there. Um, my website is is a good place to go because you can send me an email through there. So my website is zmahoon.com. And all my social media is also zmahoon. So my handle across the board everywhere is zmahoon. There's only one of me in the world, so you can't confuse me with anyone. There's only one of you. Ain't that the truth? And for all of us, right? We try so hard. You know, one of the chapters of my book talks about um, how it's time for us to really break the boxes that we spent so much time putting ourselves in. Yes. For the right. majority of our life, we tried so hard not to be different from other yes. people. And yes. then what's the first thing that they tell you when you open a business and they start, you start marketing. Well, what makes you different than everybody right, else? Exactly. Or different. you go to your first job interview and yeah. they're like, what makes you different than everybody else? Yeah. And you're like, I've been told that I'm not supposed to be different than everybody mm -hmm. else for the last mm -hmm. 18 years of my life. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, we, it, it's, it's just so interesting how we spend the first, however many years of our life, two Department. decades plus yeah. some, Mm -hmm. And then the rest of our life is spent unlearning what it was we learned mm -hmm. during the time that we were in school mm -hmm. and learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Zara, it was absolutely amazing to have you on and connect with you. And I'm really looking forward to continuing to consume your content. I love what you're doing. I love that you're bringing more awareness to the law of attraction to business owners and leadership because it is definitely needed. Thank you so much for coming on the show with me. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it.